Alright, fantastic. The rest of us, let's open up our Bible to uh, uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Very excited about this. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, very excited about this. We're starting a new series today, A Vision of Generosity. And I want us to talk about some things in our lives that are very, very important to us and some things that mean so much to us. And there are three commodities that you and I care about. But I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, when I was in uh, school going to tech, uh, this kind of this, this, this little fashion trend kind of went around campus for a while where, you know, you take a, if you had a fleece sweatshirt, you would, you would turn it inside out and you would wear it inside out. And you know me, I'm always going to be on the cutting edge of fashion, you know, because uh, I am like that. And so I decided, I went home for Christmas and I had a fleece sweatshirt on. It was a cold day and for a bunch of my friends, we we're going to go to the movies. So I took my fleece sweatshirt bright yellow sweatshirt, and I turned it inside out, all right, so I had the fuzzy side out, and I remember so vividly, because I go to get in the car with my friends, they're like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you look stupid, and then I was like, no, man, hey, it's, it's cool, I promise, it's really, really cool. Then we go to the movies, get to the movie theater, I have never been so stared at in all my life, and I'll never forget the look on one older gentleman's face, he's probably in his 70s or 80s, he kind of just looked at me, and just kind of did this, you know, I was like, man, whatever, and I don't know, maybe they thought, you know, that there was something wrong with or something like that. But have you ever kind of thought, maybe we're getting it all backwards? I had my shirt on backwards, right? Have you ever thought sometimes in life that we're just kind of getting it all backwards, and that might help explain why things are so messed up all around us? Maybe we're just kind of getting it all backwards. And I really want you to see that today. I want you to think about that with me today. You know, there's been a concept that was taught to me from the first day I moved to Borger, Texas. My first pastor taught this to me. And it has to do with something flowing out of your life. And so, you know, when Michael showed me the graph that you see up on the screen, I said, oh man, that's it. That's it. That just describes my heart so much. Now, there are three commodities that we have in life that we care about the most. There are time our energy, and our money. What I want to do for the next four, five, six weeks is I want to talk about each of those things, and I want to talk about how God wants to supernaturally get Himself involved in your time. Because how many of us here are struggling with a time crisis, a time shortage? And it's, it's incredible, isn't it? And we're always running so short on time. And so we're going to look at some principles from God's Word here in the next couple of weeks. I want to show you how God can supernaturally move and work in your life to actually give you more time. And so we're going to talk about that. Then energy. You know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, with oil being what it is and, you know, and, and things like that, we, we kind of have something of an energy crisis going on, you know, rolling blackouts and things like that. But we have an energy crisis in America also just with our own bodies. I mean, so many people are so lacking in energy. And so I want to talk to you also about is just how God can supernaturally move and work in your life and give you energy that you never thought possible. And so we're going to talk about that as well. And then obviously, you know, Inflation is so scary. 85,000 new IRS agents on the field, you know, things like that. Everything's very, very frightening. The world economy is like on a roller coaster. Everything's very, very frightening, all right? And then what about our money? You know, how, how, how can you see God supernaturally work in our money? So we're going to talk about these three things for the next four, five, or six weeks. And I want you to think, stop and think about that for a moment, though. Have you ever stopped and thought, 
What if we got it all wrong when it comes to our time, energy, and money? What if the way everybody else is doing it is just wrong and we're getting it backwards, all right? Kind of like inside out. And I really think you're going to see that, all right, starting today. Today, the title is The Power of an Overflowing Life. So, so important and such a key concept. About 2,000 years ago, about exactly this time of year, all right, Jesus would have gone to the temple in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, put this graphic up on the screen because I wanted you to get a sense of the enormous scale of the Jewish temple that Jesus went to. All right, it was, inc- it was an incredible edifice, one of the eight wonders of the ancient world. It was massive. And you kind of see there in the center, that was the temple itself, but all around that huge platform, that was the courtyard. And Jesus would go there from time to time to teach and huge crowds would gather around him to listen to him teach. And so Jesus went during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a lot like our Thanksgiving. All right, it occurred after the harvest, and our Thanksgiving was only one day. They got seven days, seven days of football and pie. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, that would be amazing. It really would. But every day he went to the temple courts to teach, and this is a time of rejoicing in God, thanking him for all that he had given, but also asking him to provide for the next year. And you know, this is a dry climate, so there are a lot of prayers for rain, for water. And the Jewish people were literally commanded to be joyful. Deuteronomy chapter 16 says, be joyful at this festival. All right. They were commanded to be joyful. So they're having a great time, but they were supposed to be very, very mindful of God's provision for them, having released them from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And they went out into the wilderness, those 6 million Jewish people and their families, 6 million Jewish men and their families, and they were out there in the wilderness wandering, and God miraculously provided for them, and supernaturally, there was food and there was water, but especially the water. Psalm 78, 15, he split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and cause waters to flow down like rivers. You might remember that event in the wilderness wandering where the people were without water. They were getting desperate and Moses went to a rock. He struck the rock with his staff, a simple shepherd's stick, and suddenly a river of water came gushing out of the rock supernaturally, miraculously. And you see this mentioned over and over and over again in the Old Testament because the people could not ever quit talking about it for generations. It was such a miraculous event. God is reminding the people the reality of life in Him. And that is that God miraculously provides for His people. That's always been true. It was true then. It's still true today. All right. And on the seventh and the last day of the feast, it was called the great day. Uh, Hoshana Rabbah. And that name means the great salvation. In the morning, the priest would go down to a pool outside the city. It's called the Pool of Siloam with this large golden vase. And this big entourage of priests would go. And the people 
were commanded to go and cut branches from willow trees at least 15 feet long. So big, long branches from willow trees. There was a great deal of ceremony and formality and liturgy. You know, psalms were read, uh, prayers were made, you know, out of, you know out of, by memory. And the people would stand along the streets. As you can imagine, the priest is carrying this like golden pail of water and the people are waving these willow branches and creating a breeze, so to speak, all around. And the priest would blow the shofar, the ram's horn. And there's this big celebration because they're bringing water from the pool outside the city and up into the temple court. And they're going to actually take it to the altar and they're going to pour this water out on the altar. This group of priests would then circle the altar seven times and the people would have begun singing from Isaiah chapter 12. I'm sure it was a beautiful scene. You know, the willow branches are waving, the people are singing, and the priests have on their vestments these beautiful long robes. And they would have been singing Isaiah 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And He has become my salvation. And with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And each time the priest would complete one circuit around the altar, the people would cry out, Save! Save now! And three things are happening at the same time that are a preview of the salvation that Jesus offers us. As the one group of priests ascend the altar, they would lay a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice on the altar. And Jesus laid down His life for you and for me. And while that was happening, the other group took this ceremonial water in this golden vase and they would pour that water on the altar. And it was called the waters of salvation. Isaiah 53, Isaiah said that God's suffering servant, the Messiah, the Christ, would pour out his life. For sins of many. And the crowd is waving these willow branches around the altar, creating wind. And that was a symbol of the Holy Spirit that Jesus' sacrifice would bring in. And it was on this day, just imagine, Jesus is in one part of the court and he's teaching a large crowd. And in another part of the ceremony, uh, all this is going on around the, the altar. The people are going, save now, save now. And they're waving the willow branches. They're pouring out the water. Jesus could not contain himself. The ceremony, the, the formality, the legality of it all. He goes, this is not it. This is not what God intended for his people. This dead religion, this dead ceremony and liturgy. The people had a form of religion, but they denied the power within it. And so Jesus stood up and he boldly proclaimed to these massive crowds of people that were there. It says that he cried in a loud voice in John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Imagine the uproar that that would have created. The priest had just poured out this water on the altar as an appeal to God to provide water, salvation 
for the people. And Jesus is essentially saying, I am the answer to the prayer that he's praying. Come to me for the waters of salvation. Look at verse 37 where Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let's just be honest today. Everybody here, all of us here today, we're all thirsty. Every one of us. The human soul, because we're separated from God by our sin and our rebellion, there's a longing in our soul. There's a craving. There's a desire. And we can't quite put our finger on what it is. The Bible describes it over and over again as a spiritual thirst. And so many people just really don't understand what is it. And people are going to try all kinds of things to try to satisfy, to try to quench this thirsting, this raging thirst in their soul. Psalm 42, David said, As the deer longs for a stream of cool water, O God, I long for you. I thirst for you, the living God. You see, when your body goes without water, your body gets thirsty and that lack of water begins to threaten your body. When your soul goes without God, before long, your soul begins to thirst. And over time, it threatens your soul. So this most important thing to know about yourself. The true you is not your body. You see, you're not a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body. And we go to a great deal of time and expense to to care for and comfort our bodies. But on an ongoing, everyday basis, your soul is so much more important to your well-being, not just in the life to come, but also in this life, than your body. And we try so many things, don't we, in this society to try to satisfy the thirst in our souls. You might have heard that Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen are struggling in their marriage. And it was all over the media, sports media the other day that Giselle was seen coming out of the little shop, so to speak, of a holistic healer somewhere there in Florida. And she came out to her incredibly nice, you know, brand new, I guess it's like a Bentley. I'm not sure what kind of car it is, but she comes out to her incredibly nice car and here comes this woman and she's wearing a shawl. She's dressed sort of like a, you know, maybe a uh, an Indian shaman or something like that. And she has this big cluster of sage and she's going around the car, you know, and it's burning and she's putting sage smoke on her car, you know, and she went to her for counseling on how to repair her marriage to Tom Brady. Wow. You know, we try so many things, don't we? To try to quench the thirst in our souls. People try pleasures, possessions, uh, power, and progress, performance, other people. Just longing for satisfaction. And none of those things satisfy our thirst for very long. I mean, if they did, Hollywood would be the happiest place on earth, you know, because they have all that stuff. Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, he says, and they have dug cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
What is the Lord lamenting here through his prophet Jeremiah saying, My people have forsaken me. I could have given them living water that would have satisfied the thirst in their souls, but they've gone out into the wilderness, so to speak, and they've dug cisterns or, you know, wells in the rock, and these cisterns are broken, and they keep asking the cistern to hold water, but the water always goes away. In other words, the things of this world, they will satisfy, they will quench your thirst for a short time, but they're broken, and eventually the water is gone, and you have to go back looking for more. Verse 37, Jesus said, Let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You see, Jesus doesn't just have what your soul needs. Jesus is what your soul needs. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all these poems and psalms and prophecies having to do with water and thirst and living water that you see throughout your Old Testament. Psalm 63, 1, the psalmist said, Oh God, you are my God. I long for you and my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of that longing. It's me. It's not the ceremony and the formality and the liturgy, all those kinds of things. No, it's me. You see, everything that Jesus came to do and to teach is aimed at one all-consuming purpose. And that is to satisfy the longing, the thirst in your soul and mine. That's what he exists to do. And by the way, this is not the first time that Jesus had offered living water. You might remember he had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. And she was there getting some water out of the well. And Jesus said to her, could you give me a drink? And she said, well, I, I, you know, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. And Jesus said, you don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink. Because if you did, he would have given you the living water. And he said, if you drink the water that's here in this well, ma'am, you're going to be You're going to have your thirst quenched, but only for a moment. It's like the fleeting pleasures of this life, the fleeting power that you might feel in this life, the fleeting progress you might feel in this life. It's just a fleeting thing. He said, if you drink the water that I give, it's going to last for an eternity. It's kind of remarkable to think about, isn't it, for a moment, that your soul can drink, you know? But the reality is that it has to. It has to. You and I were created to function this way. You see, we're not just like a a higher kind of animal, you know, than the other members of the animal kingdom, but you are an altogether different creature from any other creature on this earth. And you were made to drink physical water, H2O, absolutely, but also spiritual water, spiritual water, soul water. And you got to think about this. You got to think about this in the equation of your life. All right. Am I giving water to my soul? Do I have soul water? The spirit within you must drink in God, the water for your soul that he is. And I just wonder today if you've ever come to a place in your life when you said, Lord Jesus, I'm so thirsty. I've tried it all. I've done it all. I've been to all those places. I've done all those things. And I'm left with this raging thirst that just won't go away. And Jesus, I need you. And when you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you put your faith and your trust in Him, He promises you a a living water to quench that thirst that would never go away. Isaiah 55.1 says, The Lord says, All who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. 
What is he saying? I give you living water. I'll give you something that will always satisfy you and it won't cost you a thing. All you have to do is trust in me. Look at the, the last part of verse 37 on into verse 38. And he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me. You see, the kind of faith that saves a soul is not just believing the facts about Jesus, but it's believing in Jesus. It's coming to him with this crippling thirst in your soul, saying, Jesus, you're the only thing that can quench my thirst. Psalm 143.6 says, As a dry land needs rain, my soul is like a parched land thirsting for you. Look at verse 38. Jesus goes on, As the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. This is where I really want us to kind of camp today. Notice Jesus is casting a vision for a life that is flowing in an outward direction. Do you see that? Rivers of living water will flow out from within him. A vision for a life flowing in an outward direction. You see, Jesus is saying, your soul is going to be able to receive from me blessings in such great abundance that your life is going to actually overflow. And Jesus wants to transform you and transform me in such a way in the very depth of our soul that not only is our thirst quenched, but we quench the thirst of others. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Look at that word rivers in your Bible, by the way. In the original language, this is not like a little, a quiet little stream like you might see on a postcard or, or you might go fly fishing or something like that. All right, this is the kind of stream that's in flood stage. This is a, this is a, a torrential river and streams are coming off of it and going all sorts of other places. And when the river leaves, it ba- leaves its banks, it overflows. And I love this. This is a, a, a German theologian, Heinrich Meyer. He wrote this about 200 years ago. He said, The divine grace and truth which the believer has received out of Christ's fullness into his inner life does not remain shut up within, but will communicate itself in an abundant measure as a life-giving stream to others. And thus the new divine life overflows from one individual on to others." You think about living waters for a minute. You know, that seems like an odd thing to say. Of course, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament when he says it, but it does seem like an odd thing to say. Living waters means a water that never dies, a water that never goes away, a water source that never runs dry. What Jesus is saying is that I can bring a, a new life principle into the depths of your very soul. This supernatural life principle. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, there is a fullness, there is an abundance that is built into your life. Colossians chapter 2, Paul wrote this. He said, For all the fullness of the deity lives bodily in Christ, and in Him you have been filled to fullness. I know if I were to go around the room today and I would say, hey, what's missing from your life? Everybody, right away. I'm missing this. I'm missing that. All right. I'm lacking this. I'm lacking that. 
But the Bible says you've been filled to fullness in Christ. Nothing can stop the flow into your life, but also out of your life. God will be supernaturally at work with you and within you and causing things to come out of you, supplying everything that you need. You see, it's God's great joy, His great pleasure, and His great glory to miraculously provide for His people. I, I, and I, I don't have time today, but I, could, I would love to sit down with you with a cup of coffee sometime and just be able to share with you all the ways that God has provided for our family over the years. You know, these young families that, you know, dedicating their kids, you know, I can remember so vividly being there and, and thinking about how am I getting my kids through college? You know, you know, you know, minister's salary. How am I going to be able to do so many other things, provide for my family and, and do other things and find the time, find the energy to be a good dad, et cetera, et cetera. God just abundantly, supernaturally, miraculously provided those things all my days. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah said, when they were hungry, you gave them bread from heaven. Out of nowhere. <laughs> All right, out in the wilderness. The, you know, the, 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 the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Out of nowhere, bread. And then when they were thirsty, you brought water out of the rock. Amazing to think about. You see, when you believe in Jesus, you're asking a river maker to come into your very heart, your very soul. And you become something altogether different from what you had been before. You've gone from somebody who needs water to somebody who has water. And not just somebody who has water, but somebody who gives water, knowing that your water supply will never run dry. There are three things, real quick. The character of the Christian life. When you think about it, the character of the Christian life is a kind of person who pours themselves out. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, that's the very character of the Christian life, is to be giving away its expenditure. And then there's also the construct of the Christian life. The construct of the Christian life is that our lives should be overflowing into the lives of others by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. That's the construct of the Christian life. And then there's the confidence. The confidence of the Christian life is that no matter how much I ever give away, whether it's time, energy, or money, I know that I'll always be given more than I gave. Always. When you give away time, energy, money... God can miraculously give back more than you ever gave out. God provides us with everything we need and continues always to give to us. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, will be given into your lap. Forever measure you measure out will be measured out, measured back to you. And so with that kind of vision in mind, you and I should adopt a different vision for our lives as well. Because let's just be honest, the world around us, they're getting it wrong. It's backwards. We're doing it in reverse. The world around us is always saying, accumulate, hoard, protect, defend. And the Bible is saying, no, 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 no. 
Pour it all out. Pour it all out. Give it away. Because if you'll give it away, I'll give you even more than you ever had before. Time, energy, and money. And so the very character, the very construct of our lives is a vision of generosity. See, there is power in our lives when we live an overflowing life. Led by the Spirit of God, we pour out the things the world says we can't live without. And the things that our soul seems to long for, we pour them out before the Lord as an offering to Him with full confidence that He's going to give back more than we ever gave. If you would, do me a favor. Turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel 23. We're going to conclude with this real quickly today. 2 Samuel chapter 23. We had a place in life where David is a much older man, but he's gone to war. And David has a group of men. They're 30 men. He calls his mighty men. They're like the Navy SEALs of ancient Israel. And you might remember David grew up in a little town, Bethlehem, the same place where Jesus grew up. And he was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem, but it's been years and years since he's ever really lived around Bethlehem. And the Philistine army is in a valley uh, that's you know, between uh, him and the town of Bethlehem. And so one night, they're sitting around, and it says in verse 13, During the harvest, three of the thirty chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Ajalon while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And at that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistines taken over the little town. And look what he says in verse 15, the fortification where David was. And they carried it back to David. Look at this, though. But he honest today, we all have longings in our soul. We could all sit and talk about it. You know, I have such a longing for uh, a destination vacation. I have such a longing for a bigger home. I have such a longing for a nicer car. I have such a longing to go here, to do that, to own this, to experience that. I have such a longing for that. We all have those longings. Why? Because there's a thirst. There's a thirst in our very, very soul. But suddenly and unexpectedly, at great personal cost, David's had in his hands what he longed for. He had that thing in his hand that he longed for. They came to him unexpectedly, out of nowhere. Here, David, here's water from the well at Bethlehem. What? <laughs> you know, how did y'all get this? Oh, we killed about 18 guys to get it, but yeah, here it is. Incredible. Incredible. And I want you to see this. David refused to drink it. This is what he had longed for. This is what he had wanted. And he said, no, no, no. Far be it from me to drink this, to take this into my, into my body after the price that has been paid for it. And so he poured it out. Notice the Bible says, before the Lord. He poured it out as an offering to God. He said, God, this water that I longed for, that I wished for, I'm giving it back to you. And he poured it out before the Lord. 
he honored those who got it for him. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 116, 12, what can I give back to the Lord for all the good things that he has done for me? There's a scripture we're going to conclude with, goes up on the state, up on the screen. Isaiah 53, 12, when Isaiah was prophesying the coming Messiah. And the Bible says that the Messiah would come and that the Lord would honor him because he was willing and able to pour himself out. I don't know if you know this or not, but your body, if you're an adult, has a little less than two gallons of blood in your body. And when you think about Jesus going to the cross, what happened? Jesus' body was scourged and whipped. It was pierced with nails. And the one and a half to two gallons of fluid that were the very life in his body poured out of his body and poured down onto the ground. And literally, Jesus poured out everything for you and for me. That's what, that's what happens at the cross. He poured himself out. Why? So that his life could overflow to so many. You and I, we trust, we have the very, the architecture of your life at present. The construct of your life at present. Is the architecture of your life such that you spend a great deal of time, energy, to protect, to defend, to accumulate. Because that is what the world around us is saying we must always do. Every moment of every day, every waking moment, accumulate, protect, and defend. And yet here we have the words of God, the words of Jesus, the model of Jesus, saying, no, pour it out. Pour it out. Let that be the architecture of your life, to pour yourself out for the glory of God. And then when you do that, there is an abundance that comes back into your life and out of your life. And rivers of living water flow out of you as you give yourself away. More comes from you than ever came into you, or than, ever came, than you ever gave away. More comes into you than you ever gave away, and more yet to come. And so I want you to think about the architecture of your life today, how your life is engineered, how your life is structured today. Is it accumulate, protect, and defend? Or is it to pour out, to overflow? So I want to ask you to think about that for a couple of minutes, couple of minutes this morning. And then I'd like to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you as best I know how this morning that you poured yourself out for me, for all of us gathered here, for the entire world. Because God so loved the entire world that he gave his one and only son. And Lord, you, you poured yourself out for all of us. And I just thank you for that today, Jesus. 
And I just ask, Father, that for all of us here today, Lord, that you would just give us your grace, your strength, but especially, particularly your courage today, Lord, to look at our lives with sincerity, with truth. And Lord, just look at the construct of our lives today. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would just set us free here at Faith Covenant Church to be an overflowing church. Lord, that we together in community as a family, Lord, that we might overflow into this city and just continue to give ourselves away, pour ourselves out. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would do that in all of us here today. We just love you today, Jesus. Thank you for what you've given to us and continue to give and have promised to give. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much.